be all about how do we get businesses in, how do we create training programs so Detroiters fill those jobs, uh, how do we get the development to reach every neighborhood. That was Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan, who won a second term yesterday on Election Day. We are, of course, going to spend the hour talking about election results from our region, and maybe we'll get to some of the election results around the country that surprised people. Up first, we are going to talk about the results in the city of Detroit. Mayor, city council, the marijuana ordinances, and of course, that really, really tight clerks race. If you were like me, you were up very late watching those numbers come in until the very, very end when Janice Winfrey, the sitting clerk, seemed to have gotten more votes in the end than challenger Garland Gilchrist. I think there's almost certainly going to be a request for a recount in that race, given that I think the margin at the end was 1,500 votes or less. Uh, but that was a real that was a real nail-biter last night, one of the only real contested races that people were, uh, were, were paying attention to. Uh, after we're done talking about that, we're going to talk about winning mayors from a couple of name communities, Royal Oak uh, and Dearborn and Hamtramck also had mayor's races last night. We will talk to some of the winners in those jurisdictions. But first, Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan is going to get four more years after that landslide victory yesterday over State Senator Coleman Young II. Duggan won 72 percent of the vote to Young's 28 percent with all 590 precincts reporting. Here to help wrap up that race and the others in the city of Detroit is Butch Hollowell, who is the Corporation Counsel for the city of Detroit. Butch, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Good morning. How are you? Yes, it's good to see you. I imagine you might have been up late last night like I was. <laughs> it was an all-nighter. <laughs> these, yes. are always, these are always the hardest days, the <laughs> day after the election. Yeah, get up and go back at it and start thinking about, uh, well, what's next? That's right. right. That's right? It. Well, cabinet started at 9 I was o'clock say, this morning, so uh, there was no, yeah, no rest for right? the weary. I was going to say, we, we had asked if we could uh, speak at least briefly with the mayor this morning on the show. They said, no, he has a cabinet meeting That's scheduled. Right. And that and nothing, numbers nothing. Numbers will be on the board <laughs> and right. department heads will be evaluated. Nothing displaces that cabinet meeting. Week, I, do, week to I week. do know that. Although today you're you're spelled from it. You get to be here I instead know, of there. I know. A little break. <laughs> That's sort of an improvement. I have to I give my think. numbers to the mayor as soon as I return. <laughs> That's right. Uh, also, uh, tell us uh, what you thought of the elections. <clears throat> what did you think of the elections in Detroit? What did you think of the suburban elections, if you were paying attention to those? What did you think about the national story in elections yesterday, Virginia and New Jersey, Virginia in particular, yeah. not just the governor's race, uh, but also a state, the state house flipping control? Is that a referendum on the president? Uh, yeah. What does that mean uh, going into next year? Uh, there, there's, there's a lot. There, I felt like last night for an off year, uh, people at the national level were paying far more attention to national trends and saying, hey, look, going into the midterms, <clears throat> there's some momentum now for Democrats. Plus the fact that you have so many uh, Republicans now who are um, retiring or resigning uh, from right. Congress uh, to, to feed the, the narrative. And, you know, the, the way that, you know, Virginia has gone from really a purple state to a blue state for all intents and purposes, sure. because of the suburbs of D.C., like Alexandria mm -hmm. and, and those areas in the fast-growing areas like Tidewater and Richmond. Yep. So um, All the, of the cities in Virginia are very, very blue. They are attracting more residents, and so they have more sway 
on a state statewide level. You've got a lot of. I mean, it's it's almost like looking at a map of the country. Uh, you've got all of this red that looks like it should overwhelm the blue, but there aren't a lot of people who live in those red areas. Those blue areas are becoming very dense. Yeah, I went to law school there. You know, in Charlottesville That's right. That's uh, right. at the University of Virginia. And so, uh, and remember, Virginia went for Hillary Clinton over uh, uh, President Trump. So yeah. that was a must-win for Democrats uh, that that uh, governor's race, and uh, and also, um, um, you know, New Jersey did uh, change from Chris Christie, uh, who is w- widely unpopular there. It, sure. it, he had fifty percent unpopularity uh, to a Democrat uh, businessman that that won the race, uh, and. Um, so uh, there was also the first transgender um, candidate that won mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in a state uh, a state senate seat in in Virginia. So so there were some some really good implications. I saw this morning that the uh, the president um, said, "Well, because you didn't embrace me," talking about the one of the uh, the gubernatorial candidates in Virginia, and that's why you lost. But essentially, he <laughs> you know they were saying that he had laid out a roadmap for how. Um, Republicans would win in the Trump era it turned out not to be true. Yeah, and yeah. so uh, so for I think Democrats were really um, uh, needing that win. Uh, people were anxious about the fact that Donna Brazile's book had just come out, uh, kind of slamming the DNC and um, uh, and the Clinton campaign. A lot of people questioned the timing of that. Sure. Uh, but uh, in the mayor's race, um, I just have to say, you know. It, I can't remember. We're trying to go back now in the uh, in the history books to find out when a mayor of Detroit has gotten seventy two percent of the vote. Yeah, it's, uh, I think in the nineties. Is that right? No, I can't remember that, yeah. that one. Let's we we gotta we gotta look that one up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a big number. D- you know, Detroit mayors' races, no matter who you are, tend to be close. Yeah, they tend to be close elections, really and true. this one um, was not. This one was not. Although, do you do you take do you make anything of the fact that voter turnout was so low? In other words, most Detroiters didn't vote at all, and perhaps were not happy with either of the candidates, or certainly not motivated enough to get to the polls to cast a ballot. So, so does that taint that that margin in 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 any way in your mind? Does that say, well, yeah, we won seventy two percent of the vote, but it's seventy two percent of a very small sliver of Detroiter. Uh, he, uh, the mayor won in every uh, precinct across every corner of the city. He won among every demographic, uh, age group, gender, um, and uh, the, the polling also shows uh, that uh, that wouldn't have ma- that would have carried no matter what the turnout was. So, uh, if you slice the um, what they call the cross tabs. That so in polling, when you you look to see you know where a candidate is strong and where a candidate is weak, he was strong across the city mm-hmm. in all segments. Um, you know, we really have to do something about the the voter turnout. Uh, you know, it's it you know twenty percent uh, showing up is is uh, unacceptable. Yeah. You know, I don't know. You know, maybe you know we have a secretary of state's race coming up next year. You know, maybe we make it. Uh, Part of um, civics class, make that a requirement <laughs> that you know you teach kids actually how to vote yeah. and get them in that habit. But um, but know, every- but as a governing principle, even I mean uh, to to sort of say, okay, I got seventy two percent of the vote. That's an overwhelming margin of support. But that support also leaves out so many Detroiters. 
given that there's the the, the narrative of this election, uh, you know, framed by the challenger was this idea that there are two Detroits, that there are folks who are benefiting from what's going on and people who are left out. Does that does that low number of of people who voted sort of reframe the way you think about that seventy two percent? No, uh, that narrative didn't actually fit the results, and so the results were that people like the job that Mike Duggan is doing. I mean, they they just do, and um, not only as a result of um, actual, you know, you get a you get a report card every four years, and you know, and they look and say. You know, there have been 62,000 streetlights that have been put up. You know, four years ago, there were 88,000 streetlights in the city. 44,000 were out. Mm -hmm. He put up 62,000 with LED, starting with the neighborhoods first. Uh, Four years ago, bus service was under 200,000 riders per week. Last week, it was 550-some thousand. I have started riding the buses. That's in the neighborhoods. Uh, 13,000 ratty abandoned uh, uh, houses have been torn down, uh, and that has uh, helped to boost the property values of the neighborhoods. Um, A lot of people, I I heard somebody uh, uh, the other day saying, you know, I saw some street sweepers on my street. You know, I hadn't seen those, you know, (laughs) since I was a kid. We were uh, sweeping the streets. We were picking up the trash. People like a bulk uh, uh, trash pickup and, uh, and services. Uh, so these are um, these are things that people like. Also, you know, look at all the construction that's being done on the roads, and um, uh, it, uh, people thought, well, why were you looking at, for example, graffiti? There was such a crackdown on graffiti. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the James Q. Wilson theory of broken windows. You know, if you let one broken window go uh, unrepaired uh, for a while, then soon there will be ten, and then there is a hundred. So you don't see much that much graffiti anymore, and um, so I think behavior is uh, you know a follows, and um, he's really delivered on some great results. Yeah, uh, this is Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Butch Hollowell, the Corporation Counsel here in the city of Detroit. We're talking about yesterday's election results. First in the city of Detroit for mayor, for city council, for the very close contest. For City Clerk, we're also going to talk about some of the suburban results and, of course, the uh, ordinances that passed here in Detroit yesterday that will change the way the city regulates uh, establishments that uh, sell medical marijuana, distribute medical marijuana. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Tell us what you thought of the election results yesterday, the mayor's race, the clerk's race that really close contest between Janice Winfrey and Garland Gilchrist. Tell us what you thought about the marijuana ordinances passing. Uh, I had, we had a very spirited debate on the show last week uh, between Councilperson James Tate uh, and one of the advocates for the changes to marijuana laws about what that would do. Uh, coming out of that, I sort of predicted that I thought Detroiters would embrace both of those ordinances uh, because I think Detroiters are actually sort of prone to voting yes on things at the polls, no matter what it is. Um, uh, what do you think about those changes? Do you think that's going to improve the way we uh, deal with medical marijuana in the city, or do you think that's sort of opening the floodgates, perhaps, to uh, misuse of uh, medical marijuana. Uh, again, uh, if you don't live in the city of Detroit, if you had uh, races in your uh, municipality yesterday, call and tell us what you thought about those results. I know that in the city of Hamtramck, very interesting race for mayor with some real cultural overtones. Uh, what do you think of Karen uh, Majeski keeping that 
that role. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. Butch, I want to talk about the medical marijuana ordinances. Uh, as Corp Counsel, you, you of course, uh, know quite a bit about uh, the way this is supposed to work, the way that it does work now, and the way that these would change, uh, change those regulations. I, I would imagine that if I were talking to Councilman Tate today, he'd be pretty disappointed. Both of the ordinances passed. They, they will undo the work that he did on council to have this managed in a different way. But, but from the city's standpoint, from the standpoint of uh, the, the administration, what, what's the substantive change that you're going to have to deal with now that these two ordinances passed? Well, Proposal A and Proposal B have passed, and so now they are law, and uh, uh, they will be a law for at least one year. So Article uh, 12 of the city charter says that um, uh, any initiative that passes uh, by virtue of the voter stays in place for at least one year Mm -hmm. uh, before it can be changed by the city council. So we're going to have to make this work. Um, So it it will mean some changes. Um, the, The first biggest thing is that, you know, right now we have one license, which allows for a dispensary. That's kind of where the patient can go in with their card and, and get the product. Now, uh, as a result, you can opt into five licenses, and these are state licenses. So in addition to uh, allowing licenses for dispensaries, uh, you also have what's called a, a, a cultivation center. So that means that you can grow in three different categories, 500 plants, 1,000 plants, 1,500 plants. Mm -hmm. Also, you can apply for a license to be what's called a processor. That's uh, somebody that actually makes the products for ingestion. Um, And then you can apply for what's called a secure transport license. That's kind of moving the product. I had one guy that came in and said that he already had experience um, in doing a different kind of transportation. So, you know, he did it for the cigarette industry and uh, was um, familiar with how to do the excise tax stamping. And so he says, hey, I'm already kind of set up for this. I'm thinking of morphing into that area. I might apply for that kind of license at the state. And finally, the um, you can apply for a safety compliance license. And that's basically lab testing. So mm-hmm. you got to know uh, what kind of product. Now, those state rules kick in um, in, in just a few weeks, in, December 15th. December, right? Yeah. That's, that's right. And that doesn't mean that those licenses will be granted on December 15. In fact, it could be well into next year. Just means you could apply. Right. But yeah. what it says is now you, um, the city of Detroit, um, uh, the people want to opt into that licensing scheme. So we're going to have to work with the state uh, on how those rules are written and how people get those licenses. Um, the other thing that it does is um, it changes certain things with respect to zoning. So... Um, right now, we have a 1,000-foot radial distance uh, between a medical marijuana facility and a park, a school, a church, a daycare center, um, and, uh, and other, and other uh, medical marijuana facilities. Uh, while Proposal A keeps the 1,000-foot rule for the um, schools and libraries, it's only now a 500-foot rule mm-hmm. as it relates to the distance from a church or another medical marijuana facility and gets rid of distances completely for other things like yeah. um, parks and child care centers, liquor stores, 
and public housing. So essentially what you're doing is you're broadening the area in which um, uh, medical marijuana facilities can operate. Right. Um, the other thing that was interesting about A is um, it's got what a lot of lawyers are going to look at as a, as a, a First Amendment you know, uh, issue, and that is it changes signage. Yes. So now really the only um, restrictions on signage uh, is – uh, as it relates to LED um, light emitting diode is what that stands for. Mm-hmm. LED um, brightness or you know uh, or that kind of thing. Um, while the new ordinance didn't speak to that, what it does speak to is the fact says you can't have any of those le- the pot leaves on there. You can't have the word marijuana on the sign, and you can't have the green crosses on the sign. Yeah. And so um, when I said lawyers look at that kind of thing, they you know they say is that uh, is that content neutral. Um, which um, generally things have to be. On Proposal B, uh, it, again, it, it expands um, into more industrial areas and, and more business areas. Yeah. So there's a greater, you know. I mean, uh, I think it's fair to say that, that both of these ordinances passing means we will see more of this activity in the city. Could, could be. Dispensaries grow grow facilities. Could very well lots be. Lots of different things. We don't know what the state will say as it relates to um, how many licenses will uh, will we give for right. these different categories? It means that you're eligible in these these certain areas. It doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to get those licenses. Uh, one of the um, lawyers on my staff, Kim James, has been appointed to the uh, state committee that's writing the rules, mm-hmm. and so they're going to have to hash all that out. Um, you know, I've been on the phone with the city attorney in Denver. Uh, uh, pretty regularly, and uh, they not only is medical marijuana uh, lawful there, but also it's uh, for recreational use as well. And so the question, as it relates to, okay, was this going to be a lot more money, you know, for the city uh, in terms of taxes? Well, you know, Michigan is a headly state, right? So our constitution says that you can't impose taxes without a vote of the people. Uh, the state did provide for a three percent uh, point of sale tax. Um, but 30% of that off the top goes to the state general fund, and the balance of that kind of gets split up between the city and the county, uh, kind of like the um, revenue-sharing formula. Yeah. So I think most of the um, revenue that people would be thinking about would be uh, about the, uh, the businesses uh, themselves, those licensees in those five different categories that I've talked to, saying, well, all right, it was a, an abandoned building. I fixed up that building, and I... Uh, put in a lab facility. Um, the other question is going to um, a real interesting question is how is um, uh, uh, can you get multiple licenses in one location, which mm-hmm. uh, is known as stacking uh, under the regulatory scheme. So, in other words, could you have one facility that, let's say, has a dispensary on the first floor? where you'd show your card and you'd go in and uh, get the product and say on the second floor would be the guys in the white coats yeah. with the labs, right. you know, examining right. the product. Can you make all of these? Or the third floor, place. somebody with the chef's hat on yeah. making the brownies, right. you know, in the uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth floors perhaps with the grow facilities in the seventh floor, uh, someone who has the transportation network. Could you see that? Uh, I think that is certainly possible. Um, again, I've had, uh, I haven't, I've had an open door. So I've had people from around the country come <laughs> to see me about their ideas yeah. as it relates to um, what kind of license they want and why they would be qualified to do it. 
So um, I think the last big thing is, um, you know, that a proposal B eliminates all public hearings. And, um, you know, um, I, I have to say I do like it when the public gets an opportunity to weigh in uh, with whether they approve or don't approve of a particular facility. Sure. So this gets rid of that. Is all, it also gets rid of review at the Board of Zoning Appeals. So um, it's a different ball game. Uh, we have not been sitting on our hands. Uh, we've been watching it and are prepared. We were prepared for this. Uh, and so um, uh, we will manage it in a reasonable way and, yeah. and work with the state, city council, make sure that it's implemented fairly. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019. Tell us what you thought about yesterday's elections. Mayor, city council, clerk, marijuana ordinances here in the city of Detroit. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there or Go to Twitter and hashtag us at Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Hodo in Detroit, you're up first on Detroit Today. Yeah, this is Hodo. Hey, go ahead. Hey, how are you doing, guys? Good, how are you? Yeah, uh, I was listening at Attorney Hollowell, and a few things, like he was talking about the buses. Now, I know for a fact that there was 24-hour bus service when the mayor first came into office, and then he did away with 24-hour bus service. Then he brought it back during this election cycle over the last year to 24 hours. You talk about how the buses are running better and all of this, and those of us who ride the bus on a regular basis see something different. Even on the Woolworth bus, which should be the fastest bus in the city, Hmm. many times the bus drivers leave people when they see them running for the bus. They look at them and sometimes literally smile and pull off on people. You have... uh, Streets that you were talking about, the streets have been repaired, like on Seven Mile near, say, uh, Ripe Hill, mm-hmm. where the streets were repaired. Now, since they've been repaired, there are big puddles, like in front of the store on the corner of Marks. There's a big puddle there where it wasn't there prior to the repair of the street. Oh, no. Uh, and a made lot it of worse, these, huh? Yeah, a lot of these things are worse, and everybody's glorifying things, and, and I don't know why people are scared to speak up, and they Speak about it in the neighborhood, as we say, the hood news sometimes is more realistic than the regular news. <laughs> right. Oh, no, I, I appreciate uh, the call and I appreciate the information. Uh, Butch Hollowell, uh, let's let's take those one at a time. Twenty four hour bus service. Yeah, they, there the was no there? there was no twenty four hour bus service. Uh, there was uh, barely uh, any bus service four years ago, uh, and in fact, uh, you have to have a twenty four hour bus service used to exist, but got eliminated at what point? It got eliminated. Uh, Seven years ago. Okay. Seven years ago. And that was because um, they got behind in terms of uh, the ability to get the number of buses repaired and on the road to meet on-time schedule. Okay. Okay. On-time schedule means that you show up within 10 minutes of the scheduled route. Or the published route, and we and didn't have the maintenance or uh, operation to we, be able to. Not, not only did we have not, not to have the maintenance, we didn't have the buses. Right. So you were you were lucky to have 135 buses on the road when you needed 188. That got uh, solved by uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden in particular, 86 buses or something, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, uh, 80, 88. 88. And uh, and and so if it had it not been for the Obama administration stepping in to say we really want to help. Uh, the city. That was the first thing when the mayor first met uh, President Obama. He said, "You know, what can I do to help Detroit?" And he said, "You know, we really got to uh, resolve the uh, the bus issue." And they just bird dogged that issue. So we got those new buses in addition to the um, uh, uh, the the bus uh, the bus routes. Uh, so we've got a better maintenance staff. More buses are on the road. 
uh, in summer and in winter. Uh, we've added uh, 24 routes, uh, 24 hour routes, as well as more routes for people who are working, you know, late shifts. Mm-hmm. The other thing is we've put transit officers uh, on the buses. They're not on all the buses, but we've made good progress in getting them on there to make sure that everyone is safe. Yeah. And, uh, what about running on time? Yeah. Um, so uh, we have an app actually. Um, so we can measure that. And, uh, and I can tell you that um, they don't always run on time, but they are much more timely uh, than they used to be. The, um, the city of Detroit bus app actually allows you, like Uber, to show where the bus is. So if you um, it's cold outside or it's really hot or it's raining or something like that and you're not at a, a bus shelter, um, you can look at the app and see where the bus is, which is a great convenience for people. So not only are they uh, performing at a better rate, but we can um, take new technology. Um, we're also cleaning the bus shelters uh, for the uh, for the first time, yeah. uh, and they're looking pretty good. Yeah, and and the the ridership numbers again, five hundred five hundred thousand, and they were at two hundred. Yeah, 000. I mean, what, what accounts for that? Do you think? Um, I think people have better confidence that they're showing up on time. So contrary to what the uh, caller just said, they're they're running a lot better. And uh, they're on the street, and uh, we're we're um, you know we're putting a, about 190 buses you know on the road, uh, and um, and we are uh, meeting on time schedule very regularly. Sometimes we don't, uh, but it's a much a more reliable system than it used to be, yeah. and uh, that's because of the good management of Dan Dirks and because of yeah. President Obama and Vice President Joe right. Bright. Got us those buses. Yeah. I remember that big deal. Yeah. All right, Butch Hollowell, Corporation Counsel for the City of Detroit. Thanks very much for being here on the day after Election Day on Detroit Today. It's great to be here with you. Thanks. And, Absolutely. Uh, take care. Uh, up next, we are going to talk to the clerk of the City of Detroit, Janice Winfrey, eked out a very close win in yesterday's contest. Stay with us on Detroit Today. <laughs> 